When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Playlist Podcast is brought to you by Rebuilding Paradise. Ron Howard's Rebuilding Paradise from National Geographic Documentary Films recounts the devastating fires of November 2018 when the city of Paradise, California was engulfed in flames. These were the deadliest U.S. fires in 100 years and the worst ever in California's history. By the time they were extinguished, the fires had shattered the city with 85 people killed, 50,000 residents displaced, many without homes to return to, and 95% of local structures destroyed. Hailed by Variety as inspiring and the Los Angeles Times as a stirring portrait, harrowing and heartrending, Rebuilding Paradise is, most importantly, the story of resilience in the face of tragedy as a community stricken by disaster comes together to rebuild and recover. For more information, visit natgeotv.com slash FYC. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist, and this week, as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farver. Are you two ready to be deeply disturbed and question the existence of God? (laughs) (laughs) I am floating in the air with anticipation. (laughs) Great. This week, we're discussing St. Maud. It's the new horror question mark, thriller question mark film from A24, That has been the subject of a huge amount of hype dating back to its debut at Toronto in 2019. Unfortunately, the film has been delayed now for over a year because of the pandemic. But thankfully now, the film's finally arriving in select theaters in the U.S. this weekend, mainly drive-ins, and eventually it's hitting epics in February. So this week we're going to talk about the film, which is by debut director Rose Glass and stars Morfid Clark and Jennifer Ely. In fact... After we talk about the film, we're actually going to speak with Clark about her role in St. Maud and a little bit about her next role in a little show called Lord of the Rings or something. It's a TV show for Amazon. You guys will hear about it. I've never so, heard of this. Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's something about elves and orcs, I think. I don't know. Yeah. But so Whatever. if you're no capes, no capes, though. No swords, no. sandals and I don't know, <laughs> pointy ears and shit. <laughs> Anyway, we're kidding. Um, We're going to freaking hang us. (laughs) We love Lord of the Rings, and and that's why we talk about it in the interview. So make sure you stick around for the full interview with uh, Morphid Clark at the end of this podcast. But before we talk about St. Maud and speak with its star, Morphid Clark, you should know that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the discourse, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. And as always, if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite show. I also want to say, speaking of other podcasts, let's give a shout out to Rodrigo, who just released an episode of his Deep Focus podcast, where he talked to Rebecca Hall, uh, who's an actress, now filmmaker, about directing her first movie, Passing, which is debuting this week at Sundance. You can check that out. Also, the guys on Be Real recently just highlighted the works of Dolly Parton in honor of her recent birthday. We all love Dolly, so got to listen to that. And if you want to hear more of us, and we know you want to. Don't miss our recent interview with Joel Kinnaman from last week where I got to talk about my favorite thing in the world, RoboCop. Now I'm so jealous. I know. I'm, so I'm jealous. sorry. Let's get back to the subject at hand, though. St. Maud. 
I want to start with a surprisingly difficult task for you guys. So in a word and only one word, I want you to describe St. Maud. I'm going to go to you, Mike. If I had to just give it one word, I would just say unnerving. Very unnerving. Okay. Brian. Almost identical. I was going to say unsettling. It it just it's not not your traditional horror film, although it kind of is. It just leaves you feeling odd. <laughs> <laughs> it leaves you feeling odd. Yes. That's the pull quote from uh, Brian Farver. Uh huh. <laughs> Put it on the poster. In more than one <laughs> word, here's what Saint Maud is actually about. The film follows the story of a nurse slash caregiver, Maud, who is a devout Christian and takes her beliefs to the extreme. And her faith gets tested when she's hired by Amanda, a former dancer slash choreographer who has terminal cancer. Maud then takes it upon herself to, quote unquote, save Amanda's soul by any means necessary. But trust me, that doesn't even begin to describe what this film is like to experience. So, gentlemen, let's just start with what you thought about the movie. Let's go to Brian first. What do you think of St. Maud? I very much enjoyed it. It was, you know, it, it's the sort of movie that I've said this on other episodes as well. It's not the kind of film I'm going to unwind with after a long day. It's also not going to be one I'm going to revisit very often. There is a lot to unpack with this. It's not a uh, new Christmas tradition in the Farver house. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll see. perfect for Christmas. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas. Let's, uh, let's ask some serious questions about our faith. <laughs> But no, it's the, the performances are just spellbinding. And it's not one of those situations where, well, the performances save the movie. No, the, the movie as a whole has a very consistent tone. I go back to that word unsettling again. It, it just, it gets under your skin. And actually that's a movie I would compare it to is under the skin or even like in, in a way, just from a horror standpoint, stigmata. I, I I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, I did come away from it, you know, asking a few questions of myself and just in general. But yeah, though everyone involved gave it a hundred percent. It's it's an actor's movie. It really is. And was one of those questions, why do I have thumbtacks in my shoes? <laughs> Yeah, I remember that scene from the trailer, and I feel like it's been honestly like a decade since I saw the I know, trailer right? for the first time. But I remember seeing that that scene and just not feeling not feeling great, <laughs> which is the uh, way I felt watching this movie. But again, not in a bad way, in a very much like a, I'm engaged. Sure, Mike, what do you yeah. think overall about Saint Maud? I also very very much enjoyed it. I'm very impressed with Rose Glass, with Morfitt Clark, with Jennifer Ely, all the all the people who really you know uh, Saint Maud is is owed to their either performances or you know I can't believe Rose Glass is the first time writer director with this. Yeah, um, it's super impressive just on a technical level. But I mean Morfitt Clark is is obviously the central point for this movie, and it's it's all her, and she's uh, phenomenal in it at kind of playing someone who is is just kind of unhinged and and uh before we even recorded this you had mentioned you had kind of compared it to Todd Phillips the Joker just in the way you know that a person can can be mistreated by society and and kind of come out the worst for it. So this is certainly one of those situations where instead of not leaning on their beliefs or anything like that, or finding new beliefs, this one very much is, is all about what those people 
or why those people turn to religion. And, and this is kind of obviously the more extreme version of what could happen there as she takes everything so literally that it's it's just kind of batshit crazy. But yeah, she's outstanding in it. And I really, really enjoy the the bigger questions that it asks. And, you know, on one level, for most of the movie, you could, you know, a religious person could watch this and be like, oh, is this really happening? This is this is really interesting, kind of supernatural movie. And then a person like myself who I'm just I, I am not the religious type. So I was very much kind of viewing it from a, a sociological lens as, as as far as like what draws a person to to this and, you know, uh, why this particular, you know, personality type might be looking to go to extremes for for a certain thing that she feels is is welcoming her, the only thing that's welcoming her in this in this society. So, I thought it was a really really interesting movie, kind of grounded and you know staked to the ground by Morphid's fantastic performance. Good stuff. Yeah, I think I I also really, really enjoyed this movie. This is a movie that's kind of tailor-made for me. I (laughs) I love these movies that really, as you said, Brian, get under your skin and and kind of just like make you feel uncomfortable. That's just like my wheelhouse. If a movie does that, then A plus from Charles Barfield. But I think the most effective part of this movie comes from the combination of the performance and also how it was filmed. Not to give anything away, but this is definitely, like Mike said, this is a movie where some kind of supernatural stuff might occur and it might make you think like, is this happening or is this in her head or or what? And, and to be brave enough for your first film to have such a, a unique kind of uh, point of view and to really go for it and not make something that's super easy to follow. I mean, this is easy to follow, but it, this is a movie that also makes you question, you know, what you're seeing. And, and that's a bold thing to do for a first movie. So props to Rose Glass for doing that. It's a, it's all the better for it. And Morphid Clark is just unbelievable. She plays a character that is equally unhinged as she is sympathetic. Like we all know what sort of problems are probably facing Maud, right? There's mental yeah. illness going on. Mm-hmm. That much is clear. She's not just – this isn't a movie that paints Christianity as some sort of like cult or, or bad in any way. This is just an example of what happens when somebody is so mentally ill that they just take this, uh, like something so good like you know belief in God and just twist it in a way that it's just like – gross and it's it's yeah her performance is good and yeah i did i i i kind of before you guys saw the movie i think i just kind of just said like this gave me joker vibes and the reason i said that was because this is all about like you said this is a person on the fringes of society who's rapidly deteriorating mentally and just watching that happen it's it's interesting to compare it to joker in the sense that joaquin phoenix did, did this huge like performance in uh, that movie. And Morphe Clark does this sub- uh, like subtle, restrained performance. I mean, there are moments when she is basically whispering or mumbling, and she doesn't go for, like, this isn't like an Oscar bait movie. This is just a really good performance. And, yeah, yeah I just, yeah. I could talk forever about just what I loved about this movie. I, I really did enjoy it. But going back to the the Joker comparison, you mentioned Under the Skin, Brian. This is a movie that is is really hard to pinpoint. I kind of joked 
like it's not really a horror movie even though they would call it a horror movie and it's a thriller but it's not like edge of your seat thrilling so are there other movies that you kind of like see as as a comparison to this mike or brian that's a great question i mean really under the skin is the is the first one that came to me not only in terms of like the the nature of the film and the tone but also just in almost like there was a starkness or a bleakness to it as well like even in like the more upbeat scenes it never felt like it it, it never was like exploding with energy now i say that and then i was about to say what is the upbeat scene yeah no lie i don't you know like the thumbtack scene yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) they're like and i say you know upbeat maybe a too strong of a word but there's like you know scenes where you know get togethers or you know conversations with you know groups of people or like stuff like that i don't know it's it's definitely not a high energy, you know, <laughs> going to the club sort of movie. Yeah, it just felt very like maybe somber is the wrong choice of word. I don't know. And, you know, because Morphid Clark has this explosive energy to her, which I, I really love. Kind of a quick pivot here, Mike. I want to point out that what you said before about being able to see it from different perspectives, very, very fascinating. And I didn't even think about that until you were saying that, you know, especially coming from, a very religious extended family. I remember even going back and rereading the synopsis of this film to see if I had missed anything. And even then it was like, wow, I still am having some, some questions here. Like, this is really interesting. Like how it's able to just mind trip you like that. Yeah. I think it gives a a pretty definitive answer in the last little bit there, but uh, yeah, it's still very, very interesting. So, Mike, did you have any other films that kind of stood out as as similar to this? If I had to pick one out of a hat, I'd say Time Cop. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just felt Time Copy to me. Blood no, uh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, no. I I mean, I mentioned Joker because that's the closest one that really rang true to me. I really don't have anything that that is this kind of unnerving and and religious and kind of. It's it's a lot of things in one, and I think it's unique in that way. So hopefully people will will find something that isn't something they've seen a million times through here. Yeah. So time cop. Time cop. Time Mm -hmm. cop. Yeah. So you know it's interesting because we talk about a lot of movies on the podcast, and inevitably we think of like like last week we talked about the Joel Kinnaman movie Brothers by Blood, and you're like, oh well, this kind of sounds like The Town, or it kind of feels like a gangster movie. This it it really doesn't have that similar project at all that I can think of. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure somebody's done something, you know, whatever. But, you know, off the top of my head, I I really think this is a kind of a unique experience, which in itself is something like you should applaud in 2021 that this doesn't immediately make you think of 14 other things. Because, you know, as we know, with all the content we get, just it it all kind of just seems like same, same so much. So sure. I mean, there's obviously the the taxi driver of it all. That's certainly. Well, yeah. Yeah. That was Mm -hmm. mentioned with Joker. But uh, other than those, I really don't have anything, no. And and even with, like, Taxi Driver or Joker, the this goes for the, the straight-up horror elements yeah. more. So so even even there, it kind of just says, like, yeah, that's about, you know, mental illness and, and, you know, people on the fringes. But this is, like, yeah. Anyway, I want to I want to bring up Hereditary because that's kind of the, the film I think a lot of people are probably going to compare this to. 
and and I think even the trailers said like from the studio that brought you Hereditary because this is A24. <laughs> and much like Hereditary, it's not your typical horror film or thriller. It is very much a slow burn, ultra dark. But the trailers are were marketing this as kind of a straight up horror movie like Hereditary. And my first question is, why the hell do studios market movies like that? And yeah, why do they try to trick an audience? Yeah. yeah. It, I, but my second question is, that said, how do you market this movie? <laughs> if you had to tell someone what to expect with this movie, if your friend comes um, up to you and says, Brian, I, I heard you guys watch St. Maud. What is that movie about? And what's it like? Yeah. And, you know, the hereditary comparison and, and specifically the marketing comparison is actually pretty, pretty spot on. Because, yeah, I went into this thinking this is just going to be another, you know, horror or whatever, just another. We, we've seen this sort of movie before. And had they marketed it as what it actually is, I mean, there's I I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I was intrigued enough by what I saw in the trailer to want to see it. But in that sense, it surprised me in the best way possible. Because, yeah, this isn't this is more of an experience. I, I don't even know that I would necessarily call it a movie. This is definitely definitely something that needs to be felt as I mean, that's probably what I would say is that, you know, this, if you're looking for your straight up horror, you know, something jumping out of the shadows and killing you sort of movie, you're 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 barking up the wrong tree here. You're going to get something more deeper than that and any movie that can cause you to to ask even one question about either yourself or what you've seen has really done its job so mike yes. i heard you talk i heard you saw same mod what uh, is this movie I think about i did uh <laughs> what's it like well, am i gonna like it <laughs> uh, i you know i do not envy the the marketing team at a24 even though they always do a, a very good job of of selling to their audience so i mean it it just kind of it, it's a character piece with horror elements or religious horror elements so it's it's i wouldn't necessarily even call it a drama or a horror movie it's just kind of one of those things that it is its own thing and it's kind of all hanging on the the lead actress to really make you care, you know, to to keep watching. So and she does a great job at it. And Rose Glass does, uses some great camera techniques and, and uh, it's super well written and, and doesn't necessarily go into the exposition of it all when it comes to who this person is and what her background is. You, you're supposed to just kind of understand her through her actions and and that's there's like no exposition none yeah. <laughs> the movie this is the first like 10 seconds of the movie but the movie starts with a scene that is pretty horrific and it's referenced again later in the movie but it's a scene that's super out of context you have no idea who it is why you should care what's going on and then the movie just kind of switches gears and just doesn't even it pretends like that didn't happen yeah, and <laughs> you're like, what? And yeah, and, and and it's through the dialogue that you actually get even the slightest hints of what Maud's mentality is like. And that's, yeah. I mean, and Jean-Claude Van Damme really knocks it out of the park. I, you know, come to think of it, I may yeah. have just watched Time Cop. I'm not positive. <laughs> yes. Uh, you like the part when Maud went back in time? Yes. Yeah. 
cop in time. I don't remember what time cop was about, to be completely honest. I just remember he had a really great mullet. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> he had a, a fantastic mullet. Mm-hmm. I can give you the full synopsis right no, now. I'll tell you all about you the Time Enforcement yeah. Commission. and <laughs> I had the game for Super Nintendo, okay? Great game. I can only I'm imagine. What Not a great game. Okay, yeah. So, back to, to St. Maude briefly. <laughs> yeah, I think if I were to sum up the experience of watching St. Maude, it's the trailer is interesting, and the trailer doesn't even begin to tell you everything that happens in this movie. It is a much deeper movie than you may be expecting. This isn't a date movie, even though, you <laughs> I mean, depending on your relationship, who knows, anything could be a date movie. But this is not a gather the kids and family and let's all watch a scary movie together. This is a movie that is going to get under your skin. It's going to make you upset, not in like the angry way, but just like kind of physically, mentally upset. Like, what have I been doing with my life sort of way? <laughs> and it's it's all anchored by incredible performances. And we've talked about Morphe Clark so much, but Jennifer Ely has a very tough job because she just basically has to act opposite this like powerhouse performance. And they ask her to do a lot, especially towards the end. And Man, Jennifer Ely just brings it to you and, and super creepy in her own way, too. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. It's just and, hard to to get away from the morphid of it all. Yeah. The music. We got to talk about the music. Incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. It's very effective. Almost like if you were to tell me like Hans Zimmer did a horror movie for A24, this is kind of what I would expect. <laughs> yeah, good comparison. <laughs> right. Like it is just like, like, wong, you know, hmm. any last thoughts about St. Maud? You know, um, you said don't watch it with your kids, but my four-year-old really enjoyed it, especially <laughs> the end. So um, I, I think it's for everybody. Really, that's, what I'm saying. that's what that's what I think the A24 marketing forgot to mention is really <laughs> this is like Elmo and St. Maud crossover. A yes. religious thriller for the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, any last thoughts? Yeah, just that it's, you know, this really is a sort of pay attention sort of film. It's definitely not one where if you're, if you're vacuuming or balancing your checkbook, oh, I think I'll throw on St. Maude as background noise. Now, do just, people just, still balance their? I checkbook? was just about to say. I just imagine him with a ledger. Yes, <laughs> yes. Bring back the ledger. But no, yeah. Just set aside some time to to take this one in, and maybe set aside a few minutes after to decompress and mull over what you just saw. <laughs> Fun yeah. fact: Morfitt Clark starred in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, and Jennifer yeah. Ely starred in the BBC 1995 version of Pride and Prejudice with no So I know, I know, Mind I'm dropping blown. some some serious stuff here that is what? already I'm see for well, themselves. So, but I'm just looking at. So here's the thing: it's been a lot for me not to mention Crawl because <laughs> Morphin Clark is in Crawl and I still has can't a very remember what she role. is in Crawl. Well, and that's, I mean, again, like this movie, it's it's it, the Crawl is like a two person show. Uh, she's not one of the two people, but everybody go watch Crawl. What an underrated horror movie. It is. And then watch St. Maude. Probably watch St. Maude first and then unwind with some good alligator over the top action. Cleanse the palate with alligators and death. Yeah. Totally. Or with another of Jennifer Ely's films, which is Time Cop. 2015 Robocop. Oh, it's oh. Really? Yes. Oh. It, it all comes, comes together. She's the marketing lady in Robocop. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. The circle uh. of life. <laughs> okay. 
Um, and 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 just so uh, since we're mentioning IMDb's, we hinted at it. Morphe Clark is is definitely going to be in Lord of the Rings, so you're going to see an awful lot of her in the next few years. That is, I think, like Amazon spending literally a billion dollars on this show. She was also in Dracula, which Mike saw. Was she good in it? Did you like that? Yes, she's very good. Yeah, um, but also not the the biggest part. But yes. Right. And and she shows up in His Dark Materials, which is an an HBO show, as well as a recent movie called Personal History of David Copperfield, which if you're a fan of the playlist, you probably saw us write about quite a bit. It is an acclaimed movie from Armando Iannucci, and it stars Dev Patel and Hugh Laurie and Tilda Swinton and, of course, Morphid Clark. So go watch that. We're wrapping up our discussion of St. Maud, and I want to remind everyone also to check it out, select theaters on January 29th. Uh, I think it is mainly going to drive-ins, so you could probably see it safely if you're uh, somebody who doesn't live in a wintry wasteland like us. And <laughs> then if you do live in a wintry wasteland like us, you can check it out on TV when it comes to Epics, which is a premium network that you probably are subscribed to and you don't even know it. And <laughs> that's uh, coming February 12th, so just a few weeks. Now – we're not done. Stick around and you can hear our chat with the actress Morphe Clark and we'll talk about everything St. Maud, the Maudiness, as she says. And so, then there's Maud. Yeah, and then I knew you were just waiting to do that. <laughs> so anyway, yes. Enjoy the interview, everybody. Thank you. So thanks, Morphe Clark, for joining us on the Playlist Podcast. We are huge fans of St. Maud. Yay. Yay. And uh, I think I think first we all are wondering, even though this film debuted way back at TIFF in 2019, are you doing OK? Because honestly, this looked like an incredibly difficult and taxing role. And like I was worried. Um, yeah, well, filming St. Maud is very different to the viewing experience of watching St. Maud. Thank goodness. Um, it, I was actually so happy filming it. I was so happy. Um but I definitely kind of like carried bits of it. I definitely see Maudiness all around me and see it in me at times. And I'm like, oh, poor Maud. Um, <laughs> but no, I also think that lots of this stuff, like what was so amazing about getting that script was I kind of was like, this is what I want to write if I had any talent to write. <laughs> like it was lots of things that I, yeah, that had been, I think about anyway, that type right. of character. I think kind of the loneliness and the kind of, and also just like, a nurse who life hasn't gone as she wanted to kind of stuff I'd thought about before. Yeah. The so moddiness kind of, like, of it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. You said you see moddiness everywhere. I think that's scary, but also pretty funny. Um, <laughs> one of the most interesting things that Maud says in the film, one that stood out to me at least was uh, she said, may God bless you and never waste your pain. And yeah. that stuck with me. I actually Googled it because I'd never heard the never waste your pain part. And I found that like a lot mm -hmm. of Christian sermons actually use that never waste your pain. But in the film, yeah. I think Maud does that pain thing kind of literally. Uh, and it's not just, you know, about anguish or grief or anything. So all that to say, what do you think Maud was aiming for by subjecting herself to all that like physical pain? So what? I, I spoke a lot to my family who um, quite a few of them are doctors and nurses. And what I was really surprised to discover was that because these are people who I just see as amazing because they're not doing something like being an actor, which kind of have existential crisis crises about that being obviously very silly. Um, and I was so shocked by how much guilt they were all carrying around with them. Um, 
because they hadn't been able to kind of do what they needed to for a patient or they'd done something slightly wrong or whatever and um so I feel that Maud was as soon as I found as soon as I heard that I was like oh, it all makes so much sense why religion has been so comforting to her but why also kind of there's a need for her to punish herself because if you're coming into kind of a profession when you're wanting wanting to help people and feeling like you're not like that would lead to kind of a lot of self-loathing and and yeah a lot of mental and emotional turmoil yeah did you did you have you ever uh, thought of popcorn in that way before no <laughs> um yeah that was one of the first things we shot actually and I just remember that all that thing I was just like oh are my feet gonna be in it no <laughs> that was kind of all that was on my mind shooting that but we actually kind of had um but Barris who did like all our kind of practical effects we had like squishy popcorn that was kind of in the center but occasionally I went on a piece of like harder popcorn and I was like I'm so method I'm just amazed <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis yeah yeah <laughs> but it was mostly squishy that and was the part that that made me squish like very squeamish me too just the, the yeah walking on it. <laughs> you you just said the word need and you know we hear stories of people in distress turning to religion in their times of need and clearly uh Maude is a character in complete distress you know through mm. though our background is teased and hinted at we learned that this you know devout christianity is a pretty new aspect of her life which she takes to the extreme and why do you think Maude was attracted to christianity during that hardship and was it out of like desperation i mean what do you think well i think this is like one of my big fascinations with the script and stuff as well so i come from a family where like quite a lot of them are religious sure. and it's like a huge comfort to them makes their life make much more sense than mine does often and i just I remember when i was little being like i want to believe in god but i just didn't um and this kind of idea of finding faith fascinated me because I was like that could happen to anyone and then you could just lose it because that's also kind of people in my family have kind of lost their faith and um I don't know the concept of that seems like one of the just such an enormous thing that can happen that happens just within your mind with no kind of ex no other people are involved in that I find that really fascinating and yeah the idea that like at last she was embraced and felt safe but also, like, as a woman, I think carrying around a lot of kind of feelings that you're sinful and that that is heavy and that she feels that she can cleanse herself of that is really intoxicating. Yeah. And I, I kind of really got that. Yeah. And when it comes to, like, the, the actual performance of it, you know, this is a role that could have been, like, big and bombastic, but you're, like, a lot of people are probably going to be pretty shocked at how restrained this performance is. Like you take a lot of the less is more route. You're, you're often relying on your voice or just very small looks to kind of convey the emotion. Um, mm. Is that something you kind of worked out with, with your director or is that something it just, it just came off the page. Like this is going to have to be pretty subdued or did you try a lot of different things to get where you were at? So no, I did kind of, I did have a very clear image of her as soon as I read the script. Um, but I think I felt what I felt a lot with her was that um, that there was a performance to her, and like she's literally also changed her name from Katie to Maud. Um, and I kind of 
I, I, I think I can only approach characters as kind of versions of myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got ADHD and kind of was kind of medicated all throughout school and stuff. And just, but, and then kind of when I was going through my teens, I, that's when I realized now that I started to like mask and be a good student. So I wouldn't be told off, but it was, it, it was masking. And I feel that kind of, I often find that in quite a few of my characters. And I think Maud in particular, there seemed, there was a very kind of carefully constructed, acceptable person that she was portraying. And that person would be restrained and careful and um, not gaudy, not Amanda, basically. (laughs) And so, yeah, that restraint made a lot of, made sense to me in terms of her feeling superior as well to people around her. She's in control. She's not silly. Shifting gears are sort of similar along those lines. Was there any concern about working with a a first-time filmmaker, you know, like Rose, uh, about a subject like this and a film like this, which it really isn't the most straightforward movie? Mm. Yeah, it wasn't kind of first time I wasn't I I'm just like I'm now heading into the realm where I'm kind of getting to pick my jobs but that very much has not been the narrative before this so again I was just like oh my god someone wants to work with me and <laughs> the idea of her being a first-time director kind of didn't enter it but yeah with I I felt that there was a huge amount of empathy coming from Rose towards every character in her script which I think is integral for if you're discussing and writing about kind of mental health issues and also kind of well just loneliness and yeah it was more that I think it would be very clear if Rose didn't care about people in this script would have been very different if Rose was coming at it from a point of not caring about people and it was very clear to me that she was just kind of full of empathy from reading it yeah but it is a daunting subject yeah Yeah. (laughs) well religion can be touchy in any in any kind of avenue but yeah I think you guys handled it very well but as far as like the film release goes, I know it was released in the, the UK theaters and was you know kind of planned to have this big release in the US, but uh, unfortunately kind of COVID happened to all of us and the release is now just kind of limited to drive-ins and eventually it'll mm-hmm. be epics. Obviously it, it's great to have a film finally released here in the US, but you, you know, what are your feelings on it being released the way it is? Do, do you, would you rather it, you know, kind of have that theatrical rollout? Are you okay with the digital, you know, kind of avenue that it's taking? I would imagine, you know, sitting in a theater, like a crowded cinema with that, that just last 0.5 seconds would have been very interesting to see with a, with a crowded cinema. Yeah. I actually never want anyone to watch anything that I've been in. So in a way I've been like, this is nice. We're we're doing an interview though. (laughs) (laughs) We need to watch your movie. Very true. Very true. Please watch the movie. Um, But (laughs) the idea of it being seen by a few um, critics that liked it, I was like, the end. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But yeah, I was very lucky to be able to like see it in the cinema a few times. I saw it in Toronto and I saw it at the London Film Festival. And um, yeah, particularly with a horror, like there is magic in watching a horror in the cinema where I feel you all feel like kind of one united lung kind of holding your breath together and stuff. And so I was really lucky that I did get to kind of experience that and like got to watch kind of kind of burly guy in front of me leap out of his seat and stuff. Those are very special <laughs> moments. 
that's always that the best. Definitely been I, one of us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I I think that um one thing about it about unfortunately not being able to be seen in the cinema is um I think that the music is wonderful in Saint Maud and that kind of what hearing that sound in the cinema was wonderful. So I'd say if you're watching it at home, really turn the volume right up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If yeah. you have, I, I will, I will say this from experience because uh, I have a decent sound system at home, and I was able to watch it. And if you pump up the bass on this, your house will shake. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So we have to, we have to talk about kind of the the Tolkien elephant in the room. Uh, yes. You you are currently uh, in New Zealand on a super secret project called Lord of the Rings, and <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a show that has a ton of fans already because of obviously the 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 lineage of the book and everything and everybody's hoping it comes out this year but the show is is a prequel to to the Peter Jackson films we know that and uh mm-hmm. it's reported that you're playing uh Galadriel which is uh, is it <laughs> yes so so let's say that perhaps you were would it be interesting uh-huh. to take over a role that was previously played by Kate Blanchett um i think there's joy in kind of being in a writer-director film where it's all new um and then kind of but also terror about like is this going to work and stuff and there's an that is exactly the same in stepping into kind of a world that's already been created and already been masterfully done um so yeah there's a kind of a comfort and a fear to that um right yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Again, I don't want to, to get you in trouble by asking anything, but uh, just in the general sense, do you see mm-hmm. the the Rings TV show being able to kind of match the epic nature of the films? Because that is such a, a huge part of uh, what people kind of were wowed by when Peter Jackson was doing those movies. Yeah, I, I, I really hope so, because um, those films brought me so much joy comfort but also just like extreme escapism where I was kind of like an early awkward adolescent and um yeah I'd love for this to just grant people kind of the peace in fantasy that those films did for me um and you know we're dealing with Tolkien's world and so hopefully we can like Tolkien's world is so vast so deep so magical and yeah so I I am I would love for people to experience anything close to what I did with the films because I was obsessed. As we all were. Yeah. 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 And I will say watching uh, St. Maud that I, I was just kind of watching your performance and I go, man, she'd make a great Elven character. And then, you know, he just says oh, really? that. So, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're onto something. <laughs> And, you know, you've been in a lot of great series, uh, you know, Dracula, his Dark Materials and films like St. Maud. We know Lord of the Rings is taking up a lot of your time, especially since we saw some reports that Amazon wants to rush into season two. Uh, but looking ahead, are there any projects or any types of films specifically that you'd love to do next? I I really want to work with nice people. Um, and I kind of... That that implies that I've worked with not nice people. I've been really lucky that I haven't. <laughs> I, you better um, check your phone. I think Rose uh-oh. glasses shots fired. <laughs> I would finally like to work with nice people. No, um, I feel that what I love about this job is like my wonderlust for people is really satisfied, and so I kind of and my wonderlust for kind of people with interesting brains. 
and like I don't see myself as a creator I don't have I, I don't the my thoughts don't translate into stories and like meeting people like Rose and Amanda Inucci and Craig Roberts two years ago to do all these things was um it was it's just wonderful to be allowed into people's minds and so in terms of like I don't really have a specific thing um but I'd, I'd love to work with more writer directors I find that really really satisfying um kind of trying to make a complete vision of that director come to life nice so but I'd also love to work with Rose again yes she I mean for a first time film that's that's pretty astonishing that this was her first time. It's it's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when we do talk to directors, when we talk to actors, we always like to kind of joke that, you know, Marvel Studios is going to snatch them up for the big franchise film. But, uh, you know, everybody's kind of itching for, for you know, that iconic franchise role at some point. And, and you already have rings there. But have you have you tried to land a superhero role at all? Is that something you have interest in? Uh, what have you been casting already that we don't know about? Um, <laughs> um i'm the new captain america no i'm not yes Um, yes (laughs) we knew it i i told them beforehand keep the accent yes um (laughs) i don't know i kind of i still am really coming to terms with the fact that my life has turned out quite differently quite beyond my wildest dreams type things and so i'm quite happy to just kind of sit in it for a while i've bask in it yeah yeah um I, I really kind of, I was so um, minimal with my ambitions. I just like, and I think that's kind of rational and sane when you're an actor because it's it's all luck and kind of timing and having the right kind of hair length and color and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and so I really just, yeah, I just still can't quite believe that I'm even in this situation. The idea of looking forward is kind of like, what? No, I can't see it. Well, I can say for one that I'm very, very, very interested in seeing you possibly wear a cape or some something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just... <laughs> maybe, maybe that was your audition. The the last yeah. like five seconds of Saint Maud, the yeah. you know getting dressed up in your costume and all that. So range. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we don't want to take any more of your time. Thank you for joining us, uh, Morpha. It's been great. We really love St. Maud. We do. And we want everybody to go check it out. If you're lucky enough to have a theater in the U.S. that's showing it, go see it, uh, as long as it's safe, of course. And then uh, it'll be on Epics in February. So everybody basically can see it then. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. And good luck with that, you know, Lord of the Rings thing you're doing. And hopefully it turns out <laughs> all right. <you. laughs> Thank you. And thank you for supporting the film. Really appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Have a good one.